Welcome to Cultivating Community in the Guide to Awesomeness podcast, powered by Coldwell Banker Ronan Realty. Join us as we explore how to unleash your inner awesomeness while we uncover the treasures of our communities. Welcome to another episode of Guide to Awesomeness. Today, I am joined by Michelle Tillis-Letterman, an expert on workplace communications, relationships, and an author of several books. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks for having me, Sarah. We're excited to have you here today. So I'm going to dive right in and tell our listeners about you. Michelle is known for helping people work better together and advance their individual impact. Named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts, she empowers people to create and nurture real relationships for real results. She is the author of several books, including internationally recognized The 11 Laws of Likeability and her latest Connector's Advantage. Her books have been translated into 10 languages and used by universities, Fortune 500, and associations all over the world. A regular in media on leadership and workplace effectiveness, Michelle has appeared on CBS... NBC, NPR, and the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Working Mother, and Forbes, among others. Michelle's mission is to elevate how we communicate and connect, and that is what today is all about. Let's see if we can match your energy with a warm welcome for our guests. Wow, you have an old one, because I think I'm in like, I don't know, 13, 15 languages now. So oh. I got to figure out where that was from and update that. <laughs> ah, yeah, I, I'll send you the link of where that was. <laughs> That's amazing then, 15 languages now. Yes, between the two books, yes. That's incredible. So I know you have an impressive background in finance, education, and coaching. Can you share more about your journey and what led you to become a connection creator and expert in workplace communications? Well, journey is probably a really good word for it because I am actually a recovering CPA. I did spend the first decade of my career in finance, and I was managing people by the age of 22. I don't know what they were thinking, but they put me in charge at a very young age. Uh, (laughs) You know, I tried everything in, in finance, and what I realized is sometimes you're good at something doesn't mean you are motivated or inspired by it. I got really frustrated by the poor management, lack of effective communications, and just about everything else that I was dealing with as the only woman on the trading floor in the 1990s. So... The work started while I was working for a bank, and I realized it was what I was meant to do. And when I told the, at that point, the CEO of the Tokyo branch that I could do what I hired somebody else to do, he said, okay, but you still have to do everything else. And I said, deal. And that's how it all began. Oh, interesting. We really do create our own success. And in believing yourself and knowing what you're capable of and going after it and asking for it, that makes all the difference. I love those words. I know being named one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts is a significant achievement. How did this recognition impact your career and how has it shaped your approach to networking and relationship building? Well, it's really funny. Somebody had sent me the email saying, you're on this list or you're included in here. And, you know, I have so many emails. I didn't get to it like for like three days. (laughs) And then I saw it and I was like number eight on this list. I had the thing that probably a lot of people feel, which is that imposter syndrome. Like, how did I get here? I don't deserve this. I don't belong to this. Look at these other people who are on this list. And my husband turns to me and he said, you're on that list because you are such a good networker. And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of like that almost circular argument. And so for me, part of it was stepping into that recognition and, and accepting that I did deserve it and I did earn it and I did belong on it. And and that's really where the shift happened for me. The mindset. It's all about the mindset. All about the mindset. (laughs) 
That's amazing. I'm really happy for you. And I'm glad that um, you saw yourself there on number eight on the list. I couldn't imagine seeing something like that with my name on it. (laughs) But you know, you mindset and put yourself to it. You never know. Well, a few others have come since then. I was named one of the top 30 communication professionals by Global Gurus. Again, it was a surprise. And like about a week ago, I made the top 10 of career advisors for Thinkers 360. And again, somebody else had to tell me I made these lists. I didn't know. So those things are really cool to realize that when you keep putting good work out there, that it gets recognized. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't self-promote and I'm not saying that you shouldn't like acknowledge yourself. I am really big in terms of finding that balance between self-promotion and what I would just call sharing. Sharing your enthusiasm, sharing your excitement, sharing your pride in whatever it is that you're doing um, to help spread that word. And then sometimes you get acknowledged for it. (laughs) I know your book, The Connectors Advantage, focuses on the power of relationships. Can you elaborate on the key principles from the book and how individuals and organizations can leverage them for success? Well, that's a really big question. So I can go on like for an hour on all that. So I'm going to start and you cut me off anytime you want. (laughs) First thing with the connector's advantage is understanding what I mean by advantage. And it's pretty simple. It's faster, easier, better. Whatever it is you're working on, you're going to get the result faster, easier, and better through your connections, through your relationships. And if you really think about the things that you've achieved in your life, and if you were standing on that stage giving your acceptance speech, I watched the Emmys last night, you know, and all those people that you have to thank, you'll realize you don't get anywhere alone. The relationships that we build as individuals, as well as within our organization, as well as with the brands that are out there, businesses build, they are all going to have an advantage when you have that connection. So the book is really about seven mindsets. As you said before, it's all about the mindset, seven mindsets to grow your influence and your impact. So I'm going to list those seven and you can pick one or two that you want me to go deeper on. How's that? Connectors are open and accepting. They have a clear vision. They come from a place of abundance, they trust, they're social and curious, they're conscientious, and they have a generous spirit. So which of those resonated for you or made you curious? Open and accepting. I like that. And I listed those somewhat in the order that they appear in the book, but understand that these are not linear. I would actually say they're enablers of each other, right? It's really hard to have a generous spirit if you are not trusting or or if you're not curious to figure out how you can give to somebody else, or if you're not conscientious with your time to be able to be generous, like these all kind of really enable each other. But it does start in my mind with open and accepting. And when I talk about being open and accepting, we often think about it being open and accepting to other people's ideas and other people's quirks. But it's also about being open and accepting of ourselves and our own unique charms and being open to being wrong. And, and so one of my favorite things I talk about in the book is that we have a tendency as intelligent human beings, right, to take in information really, really quickly and draw our conclusions, right? And then we look for additional information to prove our conclusions right, confirmation bias, right? So if you have a client who comes into an open house, you kind of size them up really, really quickly. And the idea is to be open to being wrong and to slow our thinking down and to stay in a place of curiosity versus conclusion. And I put forward like four questions in the book in which we can ask ourselves and keep ourselves open and keep ourselves curious rather than going straight to conclusion and confirmation bias. I love the words. People need to slow down in today's world. Everybody's go, go, go 24-7. So knowing that 
they're open, accepting, slowing down, thinking about everything before coming to that conclusion makes 100%. <laughs> I know one of the mindsets of a connector is to have a clear vision. How do you personally ensure that you maintain a clear vision? And what strategies do you employ to stay focused on what you're working on and what you need to succeed? Okay, there's a few questions in there, so make sure I answer them all. So having a clear vision, for me, if you're going to get the connector's advantage, you can't get what you want faster, easier, and better if you're not clear on what that is. And it doesn't have to be a 10-year big, you know, BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal. It could be, you know, when my, my last book came out, it was small. It was, hey, I just want to get 100 reviews. You know, if you've read the book, please post a review. Like, it was real small, real simple, real clear. But I always had something that I could answer the question, how can I help you? What are you working on? And so that's my advice to everybody out there is a way to implement the idea of clear vision and to keep yourself on track with that is as a connector, you are always going to be in a conversation. You're going to prioritize relationships and how you can add value to that relationship. So that's that generous spirit mindset that we're, we're infusing in here. So if you're going to go out to somebody and say, how can I help you? What are you working on? Then you have to expect they might be asking you that same question and you need to have an answer ready, big or small right? You need to have that answer ready. And so that's the idea of how do you ensure that you keep yourself on track with a clear vision is to say, what's my answer to this question? Like you have that clear vision. What would your next step be? I love that. Um, I always say you need to ask for what you want. <laughs> I say this to my kids all the time. If you don't ask, the answer is no. If you ask, you immediately increase your odds. But we want to ask in a way that doesn't put the relationship at risk. Because if somebody needs to or wants to say no, then they kind of feel uncomfortable and they want to avoid you. And that's not going to be good because a no now is fine because it might be a yes down the road. So in the book, I put a few different types of asks like the opt out ask or the convenient ask or the make it easy ask or even the non ask as ways that we can structure a request for somebody else to feel comfortable saying yes or comfortable saying no. And I think that's really important to have those different ways to ask, because I know for myself and I know everybody else in today's world, it is it is hard to ask because you're nervous, you're, your senses are and you think you're going to get shut down with that. No, but essentially it might not. It might be a great question and you might have a totally different response and the outcome can be different. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fear around asking. And even as somebody who teaches it, I still struggle with it. Like I, I remember asking my friend to borrow a car, which is no. not a small <laughs> ask. But my car was trapped in my garage and they couldn't come for like 24 hours to get my car out of my garage. And I had two <laughs> like toddlers that had to be picked up at school and I had to get into the city that night. And I like called my friend. And I'm like, I knew she had an extra car. I'm like, can I borrow a car? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not just to pick up the kids. I need to. She's like, it's fine. And I'm like, really? And she's like, which car? Do oh. you <laughs> so she has multiple cars there. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I'll take the mini convertible, please. Um, <laughs> Ooh, the kids would like that getting picked up. <laughs> Sometimes when you ask, you give somebody else the opportunity to feel valued and valuable. And so recognize how good it feels when you can do something for somebody. By asking, you're giving them the opportunity to do something for you. Wise words. Navigating workplace dynamics is often resembles a chess game. If you were to associate a chess piece with your strategic approach at work, what piece would it be? And how does it reflect your professional maneuvers? Well, the queen, of ah, course. I love it, of course, <laughs> eh? <laughs> of course, because it is the queen, but also because the queen can move in any direction, um, in any way that she wants. So she's really flexible. 
but adaptive. She's adaptive to the pieces and the people around her to be able to accommodate their movements and to be responsive to what she sees going on. Um, and so for me, that's my strategy is not to be overly strategic, but to to be observant and to be responsive. I love your response to that. <laughs> I do. You were so the powerful. You could see it in your face, the way you said the queen, of course, everything about that was just- I, I liked that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your presentations are praised for being energetic and engaging. How do you ensure that your message renaissance with the diverse audiences and what techniques do you find most effective keeping participants actively involved? Well, I like to create an experience in a room I don't want, I'm not a lecturer. <laughs> I want to be in a conversation. So one of the ways to keep people actively involved, one is through bribery. I bring little prizes and some of my books. And if I get a good answer or the first person who talks, or sometimes I'll pull somebody up on stage, I'm throwing things. And um, But it also is um, to enable them to talk to each other and to pose something that they'll um, be able to talk about and to report out. And so it's really, really highly interactive and inclusive because some people like the big room and speaking to everybody and other people like are more comfortable to speaking at their tables. So when we think about being inclusive, it's inclusive in our choice of language, which is something I'm constantly practicing. We're used to saying things that are normative to the way in which we live our life. But once I refer to women wearing nail polish and a man was like, you know, hey, it could be anyone wearing nail polish. And those, those small tweaks in our language to make people feel inclusive, the examples that we give, and then the way in which we teach because everybody learns differently. So it's kind of really thinking about all of the aspects. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and everybody does learn differently. Some people love to be in person. Some people like to just watch a tutorial. Some people like I don't know. Everyone is different. So it's nice that you keep everything engaging and inclusive for your presentations. What final insights or advice would you like to share with our listeners? For me, it's all about connection and community. And so as you think about whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, recognize the people that you want and need in your life. Appreciate them. You know, think about how you can what I say, don't network for need, network for life, right? Not for now. Oh, not oh for I love need, that. <laughs> right? You're building relationships because you want to, because you get to, not because of something you're trying to get that moment. And so put relationships first and think long-term. I love network for life. It's very true. And especially with uh, being in real estate and everything here, um, it is true. Network for life. It's, we're always talking about networking, talking to your family, your friends, colleagues, everyone. I have some questions I did want to ask you, though, on another note that we ask all our guests on our podcast. What is something that you do or you use to ensure that you're always striving to work productively? Well, I have heavy reliance on Microsoft Outlook and my calendar. And I put every single thing. I tried the task list and all these different things. And for me, the simplest thing is just to put everything that I need to do right in the calendar um, either at a specific time or just as an all-day event. And then every day I review um, to see what got accomplished and deleted or what needs to move to the next day. And when I find myself moving something too many times, I start to question, does it really need to get done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time management. It's nice because then you have an outlook of how your week's going to look or how your day is going to look. Like I'm very numbers oriented. So seeing you have 87 items in your to-do list this week, 
it kind of is like, okay, well, that's an average week. I know if I'm getting close to 100, that's a really busy week. If I'm in the eight, around 80, that's an uh, average week. And if I'm below 80, I'm like, oh, it's a light week. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get to know how you work and, and how your week and everything's coordinated. So that's nice. What is one habit that has transformed your life? So I haven't missed 10,000 steps since the end of 2022. Wow. <laughs> you know, COVID made us real lethargic and, you know, realizing how little movement I had, especially working from home, you know, I'm not even like walking to the subways anymore. Putting that 10,000 steps in every day, I think has just made me feel healthier. It's again, the mindset and knowing that you're doing that because any bit of energy and waking up and doing those little things every day can make a positive impact. Absolutely. And if you could write a chapter, so this specific episode <laughs> in the Guide to Awesomeness, if we turned our episode right now into a chapter, what would you want the title to be called? I would probably either say communicate to connect or relationships first. Those would be the two that come to my mind. You can choose. <laughs> We will, we will choose one of those. <laughs> well, Michelle, I really appreciate this, this conversation we had. You're such an energetic, glowing person, and I can feel it. I can feel your energy, and it's amazing uh, to have you here with us. Do you want to tell our listeners what's to come for you, any new projects on the go, and how people can follow you? Well, thank you for those kind words. And yes, I would love to because I'm really excited about something we have coming out, um, hopefully by the... Uh, beginning of second quarter, maybe sooner, fingers crossed. And it's called the Connected Leader Club. And as we've been talking about needing that community, needing those relationships, and sometimes when we work in certain fields or industries or organizations, we don't always get everything that we need internally in terms of professional development and community. And so we created the Connected Leader course um, that will then enable you to be invited into the club, which is um, kind of a group coaching format so that a lot of people can't afford one-to-one -one coaching. So we're putting it in a group format. We have a mastermind element. We have guest experts all building off of the course and kind of creating that um, elevated environment so that we can accelerate our success. So I'm really excited about that. If you want to like get on the wait list because the website's not live yet, just go to connectedleaderclub.com. It is not on my personal website, which is where I send everybody else yet because it is its own thing. Um, but if you want to connect with me in any of the social media platforms that will hopefully be in the show notes, um, the best place to start is my website, which is michelletillisletterman.com. Literally my name all blurred together, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-T-I-L-L-I-S, lots of L's, and L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N.com. And um, you can sign up for my newsletters. I give a lot of free uh, chapters and videos and goodies and all that. You do. I've been getting them, actually, and I love getting them every day. I'm like, oh, look at this one. And then I saw the one where you clicked and I saw all, your, all the animals. You're an animal lover. Oh, all my <laughs> I animals. I read that one. <laughs> Yes, but I saw your passion for animals on there and it's neat because you have so much positivity and just quotes and sayings and just those little emails are fun and you have little quizzes that you send. Um, so she does have some great stuff. So I suggest uh, following her on all our social media platforms. They will be linked um, at the end of this podcast and in the show notes. But Michelle, again, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining me for another awesome episode. Whether you're already on the road to awesomeness or just starting out, 
Be sure to join us next time for a dose of motivation, education, and entertainment.